Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever, actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple pencil with it, I have been doing that on there and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those NanoDots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook... Here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper like, and I'm sure it's it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use, and paper like feels good on the iPad. Uh they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better... This is how you do it. So, to pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, to get started. Oh my God, it's coming! The thing is This is Comics Catch Up. Where we read comics suggested by you the listeners of War Rocket Ajax, that we have missed. Hello, everybody. Grab your giant sword and load up that fucking gun arm. Because it is time for Comics Catch-Up. It's the show where I, Chris Sims, 
And with me as always, Matt Wilson. Catch up on comics that we might have missed when they came out, be they recent, be they old, be they stuff that we've been meaning to read, or be they things that we really don't want to read. But we do it anyway, for you, our loyal listeners. This one, this time, is a bit of a catch-all. It's, it's, it's a comic it's catch-all, not, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 not because it's something we didn't want to read, but it is a comic that was coming out 30-some years ago, and also as recently as this year. <laughs> yeah, and it's also something that you've read, but something I've been meaning to read for yeah. years, and just kind of never gotten around to. Yeah, it's also uh, uh, perhaps a relitigation, because w- what we're going to talk about is the first, is it four or five volumes of Berserk? I mean... Like if you if you get like the Tenkabons, it's like the first nine or ten. Yeah. If you yeah. get if you get the deluxe hardcovers, which I think are like basically three paperbacks each, it's into it's into like the fourth or fifth one. Yeah. Um because we're gonna talk about the first arc of Berserk, the Black Swordsman arc, which is just the appetizer for the Golden Age arc, which is a very, very long story, which became the basis for the entirety of the 1990s Berserk anime. I've read all of Berserk that is available. There might be new chapters that I haven't read yet, um, not made by the late Kintaro Mura. Right. Because the, the studio that, make, made, that worked with Mira on Berserk for the last decade or so is going to continue the story and finish it. Um, it's like it's like Cody Rhodes, baby. It's it's just like Cody Rhodes finish the story. But Mira did this comic for. He died in 2020, right? Um, I believe so. Yeah, and he had been been putting out chapters rather slowly 2021 is when he died um he had been putting out chapters rather slowly but he had been doing the book for 32 years he started in 1989 and then he died in 2021 yeah and um, i believe prior to that he had been working with uh budonson right yes on, uh, yes Fist of the north star which fucking shows they worked on a different book than fist of the north star together the, the the their project together was called king of the wolves or king of wolves <laughs> dope yeah uh which baronson wrote and mira drew and a question for you matt yes you've read everything that is available now so you've read everything that mira did before uh he passed away yeah uh tragically way too young and unexpected yeah at 54 and unbelievable it could be argued uh, that he absolutely worked himself to death, and um, that is a huge bummer. Yeah. Also unbelievable that that he was so young when Berserk started. Oh, like, yeah. It kind of explains a lot. You can tell just by how much the art changes, just in what you've read. Yeah. Like, it goes from being good to fucking jaw-dropping by the end of the golden age 
Yeah. Yeah. R.I.P. to uh, Kentaro Mura. Uh, also, I do want to say, uh, not a sponsor, but could be. But uh, Dark Horse Comics did uh, uh, provide me with uh, PDFs of the the hardcovers to read. I, in a thing that I think is hilarious that I hadn't anticipated, the PDFs are also left to right. Yeah. Or, or uh, right to left. So I had to scroll to the end of the PDF and then and then read them in reverse order, which I thought was was kind of funny because of course they would be. It's what they send. Yeah. To, like it's it's basically what they send to the printer. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, the books themselves read that way, so. Yeah, Why but uh, Dark Horse yeah. was nice to provide me with the first six volumes, uh, which uh, are I've seen the physical objects and they are beautiful. Yeah, they're like, so, these, so these nice. actual hardcovers. But I mean, it's a lot easier to read on an iPad. I will tell you that. The only thing that sucks is there's a lot of kick-ass double-page spreads in Berserk. True. Uh, that you don't really get the effect of if you're reading on a on a screen. Um, one last thing before we really dive into it, I did want to uh, throw out there that uh, there is a panel in here that I told Matt I would, I was considering getting a tattoo of. Uh, and I, I would, I want, I want Matt to guess. Well, I tried to guess when you yeah. told me. And the panel, I guess you said does rule, but was not the correct panel. Yeah. So, uh, also, before we continue, um, just a heads up, Berserk is very violent, uh, which is not unusual for the comics that we discuss, but there is also a lot of sexual violence in Berserk that is, it is plot relevant, and so I don't know how we could talk about this book without talking about it, uh, but there is going to be a lot of discussion of uh, sexual assault in various forms so just yeah. a a heads up if you're gonna if you're planning on reading berserk or you're planning on listening to us talk about it that is gonna be uh something that is that we cannot gloss over and it is something that it would be the one reason i would tell somebody hey maybe don't read it yeah i would absolutely like I mean, look, I'll recommend Berserk, and I can tell you that I think, uh, as someone who has been, like, very against depictions of sexual assault in comics, I I would say that I still recommend this comic, and I think, if nothing else, its depiction of sexual assault is much more interesting and nuanced than you might expect from the violence of the book. Yeah. And also, way more than anyone else, it ain't fucking identity crisis. You no, know? No, it's it. Well, it's not just a gimmick. It's not just there to give the hero a reason to hate the villain. Yeah. And it's also not just something that happens to the female characters. No. Part of the book, and and I guess we'll just go ahead and get into this because I do think this is the biggest deal breaker for Berserk for for someone to want to read it, and I think it's worth getting into what these nuances are. So, spoilers for Berserk start now, and 
here's what I'll say. A big chunk of Berserk, and particularly the Golden Age, is about the lead character, Guts, who is, like, Chris, one of the first things you texted me on your reread is Guts fucking dudes up. Yeah. And that's what Guts does. He fucks people up. He's he's a tank. He has a gigantic sword, and he cuts people's heads in half. He, I, get, I have told this to people, I have never read a comic where people's heads get cut in half. On every plane, it is possible to cut a head in half. And like, as much as it, like, it happens with regularity. Yes. Like, dudes, he- like, they don't get decapitated. Their heads get cut in half, which is fucking wild. But the thing is, Guts is also an assault survivor. Yeah. And part of his, part of the reason he acts the way he acts, like the kind of reveal of why, why he doesn't want to be around people, why he freaks out when anyone touches him, why he needs to have his sword. Like, I kind of knew that going in, that that would be explained. And like that, that betrayal that is such a, like, it is not introduced and then disposed of. It is like hundreds of pages of this book are devoted to guts and that trauma and that, uh, like, feeling. And I knew that was going to happen. What I didn't know is that all three main characters of the Golden Age arc, Guts, Griffith, and Casca were all they all have a sexual assault in their story and it's three very different kinds and there's three very different reactions and yes. three very different ways of processing and that's what i mean when i say that it's like interestingly nuanced uh because griffith like like we see okay let's let's go through them in order uh guts is Born from a corpse. Hanging from a tree, yeah. Hanging from a tree, uh, and taken in by mercenaries, who teach him to fight at a young age. I like that there's an incontinuity reason for uh, Guts to be able to use this giant sword, which is that he started using normal-sized swords when he was, like, six. Right. It, his his father figure, his, like, adoptive father, Gambino. Childish Gambino, that's why he's named that. Is it? Because there's a pa- yeah, there's a panel where Gambino is being an asshole to Guts, and someone tells him, "Stop being so childish, Gambino." Mm. And that's that's why he Donald Glover made that his rap name. Well, I am unsurprised that Donald Glover was super into manga and anime. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Gambino, yeah. his father figure. Um, is is abusive, not sexually abusive directly to guts, but he is abusive. He's and, he's cruel, and then Gambino loses his leg in a battle and can't like is you know the leader of this mercenary company, and kind of like his response to that to to this trauma 
Because this is a book about fucking trauma. It's about dudes getting their heads cut in half, but it's also about trauma. Yeah, and, uh, and the point I was going to make earlier is part of what makes the story of Guts and Casca so good is it's not just a thing where he's trying to be protective and save Casca. It's that they're two hurt people people who have been victimized, people with trauma, finding each other in an incredibly cruel world. Yeah. And so uh, there's a scene in the Golden Age. Actually, the there's a Super Eyepatch Wolf video about Berserk that I highly recommend watching. And he he delves into this a good bit in his video. But when when Guts and Casca finally manage to be together and have like a romantic time together and then ultimately have sex. It's not just a sex scene. Like when people are like, why do movies have sex? Why does anything, why sex scenes are meaningless. They don't add anything to the character. I present you berserk. Yeah. I mean, look, that is an incorrect take, but I also feel like Ryan North's thing about how, why did so many action movies in the 80s and 90s just have, like, titties for no reason? Sure. Like, I sympathize with that. <laughs> yeah, of course. But but it, a lot of times, scenes like that are gratuitous and meaningless. I'm not saying they aren't. But the sex scene in the Golden Age in Berserk is, like, so meaningful because it's two characters finally deciding that they can have some pleasure in their lives again yeah and and because like when it first starts guts flips the fuck out yeah like guts like like goes into a fugue state because of all the trauma so anyway uh gambino becomes increasingly cruel and abusive and meanwhile guts is you know becoming more liked by the by the mercenary company because he's you know he's a little kid who at like the age of nine is fighting alongside them with a full-size sword. Uh, and, and, so, and wrecking dudes. <laughs> fucking cutting dudes' heads in half, yeah. yeah. And so in this incredible act of cruelty, Gambino sells guts to this guy who rapes him. Yeah. And it's this really horrible experience, obviously. But like whenever, we, like whenever Guts thinks about it, we see the guy and... He's like, you know, a gross dude. But every time Guts like imagines it or has a memory of it, he's a demon. Like he's got horns and is yeah. 12 feet tall. Yeah. And Guts can't get away from him because his sword is just out of reach. And then he like he's like what the fuck why didn't Gambino stop it? And then someone's like, "Oh, Gambino, like, ma- like made that happen. Like, Gambino sold you out, and he like can't believe it because it's his father figure, and because he doesn't understand why. Like, Guts does not have a concept of why Gambino would have done that. Like, which I think is interesting because it's it is a kind of cruelty." That Guts, who becomes so familiar with cruelty in this world, 
doesn't understand because it's because there's no reason for it. Yeah, and ultimately he he kills Gambino for yeah. it. Like he and Gambino get into a big argument where Guts tells him straight up, "You did this to me," and. Gambino t- tells him how weak he is and how somewhat accidentally, but also not totally accidentally, Guts ends up running him through with his adult-sized sword. Yeah. Um, and Guts and- will later say that, like, it was an easy blow to parry. Like, it, like he didn't expect him to not block that hit. Yeah. And that he didn't want to kill him, but he did want to kill him. Yeah. And it's like, it's very complex. It's a very complex emotion. It is the complexity of being abused by a father figure. A lot of things that you might expect to be cliche. And as they're originally presented in Berserk, seem to be cliche. Are actually quite complex. Yeah, it's really weird that the first thing we see Guts doing is fucking a demon. Uh-huh. It's it's the most out of character thing he does in the whole book. Yeah. Like because it's so weird. That's that's Mira trying to I think do some edgelord stuff. And th- there's a good amount of kind of I don't know, edgelordy stuff in the Black Swordsman arc which Let's let's dial back to the Black Swordsman arc now. The Black Swordsman arc is all about Guts being this seeming action hero badass who's kind of mean to everybody around him. Like, he saves people, but then he's an asshole to them. So we've talked about the first thing that happens in Berserk after he fucks and kills a demon is he goes into a bar and... They're harassing this fairy named Puck. And Guts saves Puck. Like, fucking wrecks those guys. Yeah. Just ruins them. With his crossbow, mostly. And so then Puck is like, okay, I'm with you now. And Puck is not in the anime. Um, Is he really? That's interesting. I would have thought he would be. In the anime, he just saves like a little girl, um, but in but Puck's not in the anime at all. A lot of the like kind of supernatural stuff in the anime doesn't show up until the meeting with uh, Zod, who we'll talk about, I'm sure, very soon. Nosferatu Zod, Nosferatu Zod, yeah. But anyway, he saves Puck, and so the Puck starts following him around, and. Guts acts like he doesn't want Puck around. Like he's he's mean to Puck uh throughout the Black Swordsman arc. And what you'll discover is it's not because Guts is by his nature a mean person. It's he feels he has to be this way because one he thinks he can only do what he's doing alone. And two, he can't get close to anybody after what's happened to him. Yeah, because he is going to be stalked by uh, demons. 
and everyone around him will be a target for demons. Literal yeah. in, demons. In in Berserk, they're called apostles. And the cosmology is established somewhat in the Black Swordsman arc. So, okay, there are people who will tell you not to read the Black Swordsman arc and just start with the Golden Age. And those people are wrong. They are completely wrong. Because part of the tension of the Golden Age arc is knowing what it's going to lead to. Mm -hmm. Because the Golden Age arc is a flashback. The Black Swordsman arc is a flash forward to Guts having one eye, one arm, a cannon arm, a huge sword, the Dragon Slayer, which he'll get much later. Um, and existing in a world of these apostle demons and, and hunting them down and trying to take them all out. And so, yeah, the first thing he does is fucking kill this demon who's posing as a human woman. Then he kills like a warlord who's taken over an entire town. Then there's an arc where he like tries to save some orphans in in a forest uh from like demon like figures and that ends up not actually going very well and then we get to his actual encounter with the god hand and the god hand is a group of five extraordinarily powerful demons who seem to have control over the entire, like everything that's happening in the world. All the apostles bow to them and take their orders from them. Guts is especially mad at one of them, who is called Femto as a member of the God Hand, but Guts calls him Griffith. Yeah, who looks like he's in fucking uh, Gachaman. Yes, yes. He's got, like, falcon armor on. Yeah. Essentially, why Guts is hunting down the God Hand, and this is all sort of made clear in the Black Swordsman arc, is, like, he's trying to find a a member of the Apostles who can help him get back to the God Hand. Like, he's trying to get to the God Hand so he can get revenge for something that happened. And you don't quite know what it is, but you do know that he's missing an eye and an arm. And so, he he ends up kind of find, finding a way back uh, through, uh, I, I always want to call him the governor, but his name is something different. Uh, he's, I forget his name, but he's, he is a member of the apostles, but he's also like this powerful nobleman. And there's this whole thing about how he's going to sacrifice his daughter to the God hand. And so guts shows up ostensibly to stop that, but also to use, I, fuck, I keep, I, I forget his name. It's not the governor, but it's something like that. 
and to use him to get back to the God hand and it works. And so he tries to kill Griffith. He tries to kill Fimto in this like liminal Asherian space that he's transported to where the God hand is. And he completely fails. It's like, yeah. they're just, it's like a first boss in a video game that you're supposed to die to. Yeah. He gets, Gus gets the shit kicked out of him. Yeah. And, and basically what, uh, Femto tells him is we don't even think about you. Like you're, you are nothing to us. Yeah. And, and that's essentially where the black swordsman arc ends. And, Again, knowing that that's where the story ends up makes the Golden Age arc so much more effective, in my opinion, because you're just waiting for that shoe to drop. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, like, you have seen, like, he calls him Griffith, and he looks like Griffith. You know where Griffith is ending up. You know where Guts is going to end up. You don't know where Casca is going to end up. No, no. But, but yeah, like it's it's a lot. Like I, th- I feel like a lot of the criticism of the Black Swordsman arc is just, oh, it's just Edge Lord stuff. It's like before Mira really matured into the storyteller he would become. And Guts is sort of out of character in it. But I think that misses so much of the table setting that the Black Swordsman arc is doing. Because Guts being out of character is on purpose. Yeah. And and so much of what he then fills in in the Golden Age arc is here in the Black Swordsman arc. I don't know that he had it all planned out. But the way it dovetails back to this is done so well. And and the way the story ends up connecting back. And also, the the way you know that Guts is not just like an out-of-character badass is once everything is done with the I, I swear I'll find his name here in a second. His actual what he's actually called. Um, but what, once he's done with the nobleman apostle, he he basically tells both uh, Puck and his daughter, who he has saved, to fuck off. And then he turns around and he's crying. Mm-hmm. And. You you could read that as cliche storyteller cliche storytelling. Oh, the the big mean guy is actually hurting. But in this story, it's exactly what is going on with guts, and it actually means something. Yeah. Plus, if you skip the Black Swordsman arc, you don't get to see Baphomet fully fucking two ladies at once. That's- that's true. <laughs> like, Kentaro Mira does like mature a little bit and does get a little bit better. Kentaro Mira does 
like drawing naked ladies getting torn into bits. I mean, he likes drawing human beings getting he torn likes drawing into human bits. beings getting torn into bits. But we we don't. I mean, again, to be fair, there's a lot of naked dudes in this comic too. Oh yeah, it's. I mean, it is it is mature readers in every sense. <laughs> yeah, like you know, Guts got a hog for sure. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, anyway, I think he's okay. I think he's the count. He's called the count, not the governor. Yeah, yeah I think he's so. the count. Um, and and this is his death here. But later in the Golden Age, when the eclipse happens, he's there. Yeah, all the demons you see in the Black Swordsman arc appear during the eclipse. Uh, yeah. later in the Golden Age. I also think the Black Swordsman arc is important. For the same reason, like, it's it's very much, like, there's a lot of Conan in this, and I don't think that's, that's you know, that that's not, uh, like, I bet if you asked Mira, you would say, you would probably say, yeah. Because <laughs> that's yeah. another comic where it cuts a lot of people in half. Um, but, like, you need those stories... You don't necessarily need guts to fuck a demon and then just shoot it with a cannon, which is pretty great, honestly. <laughs> uh, but you establishing that when guts fights these demons, he's a fucking beast. Like he, you know, has this giant sword. His arm is not just a gun, a cannon, like a full ass cannon. Uh, like that is important because when he does get to the God hand and you see how effortless it is for them to just fuck him up, like it is important to establish like the, the hierarchy of, of power in the DC universe (laughs) before it changes. It has, that hierarchy of power has shifted. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's like you have to show how much of a badass guts has become for a little while to understand then how powerful the god had god hand actually is. Yeah, because they they flick him away like a bug. Like it, it is he is like I said, just nothing to them. Yeah, and and the only way he ends up getting out of it, like like saving the count's daughter is by tricking the count into fucking up and, and like he wins up like guts ends up winning on some legal mumbo jumbo <laughs> in this yeah. in this uh showdown with the god hand and like they don't kill him cuz again they're like we don't care about you and um it's it's great. It's a great introduction to everything that you'll get to eighty chapters later. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I think what's wild is the Golden Age arc takes so much longer. Like it's so long. It's so much of the book that this you know pretty considerably lengthy flash forward that opens it, the Black Swordsman arc, like. It's, uh, 
the the Golden Age arc starts uh, six hundred and fifty pages into the first Berserk hardcover. Yeah, but then the Golden Age arc goes for about like twenty four hundred pages. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's a lot. It's a big, it's a big chunk of comics. Like the Golden Age arc does not seem like, or the Black Swordsman arc does not seem like a cold open until you see it in the context of this story. That's going to be the next, like you know, twelve volumes of Berserk. That's right. what makes that feel like the real starting point. But I, I like. There's enough of it where it's I would not I would not say skip it. Because also, if you don't like the Black Swordsman arc, you're not gonna have a good time with the rest of it. No, and and I think you might be surprised as to where the book ends up going. Yeah. Because the Black Swordsman arc introduces all of this stuff. It introduces the apostles, it introduces Puck the Fairy, it introduces the God Hand, it introduces all of this kind of cosmological supernatural stuff that the book is going to ultimately be about, even though the golden age for a good chunk of it is just about some mercenaries. Yeah. Fighting in violent, but like seemingly historically accurate battles. Or or at, at a minimum battles that take place in a world like our own. Until somebody's fucking up a bunch of soldiers in a castle and Guts walks in there and it's fucking Zod, Nosferatu Zod in there. A, a big horned demon. Yeah, but but most of the Golden Age arc doesn't have demons. Yeah. Like, most of the Golden Age arc is just dudes. Yeah, Zod is the first introduction of demons. Uh, into the book, and that is uh, Volume 5, Episode 2. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it happens a ways into it. And that's only scratching the surface. Um, so, okay, before we get deeper into the Golden Age arc, Chris, yeah. do you think the ranking of the Black Swordsman arc is... Where it should be. Where is it currently? The Black Swordsman arc is currently at number 165. I I think that's maybe a little too high. Like, I would not I would not put it that high. But like I like mmm. I mean, looking at a lot of the stuff that's, like, below it, like, I think it is probably better than. So I guess, like, you know, like, numerically that sounds really high. There is kind of a, like, it's a top-heavy list. A lot of the stuff in the top, like, 500 are really good. But it does feel like number 100 is a real dividing line between, like, the the, the greats and the perfects. Yeah. Yeah. And so I like for context, the Black Swordsman is between uh 
Amazing Spider-Man The Night Gwen Stacy Died, and Superman The Secret Revealed, which is the one where Luther uh, finds out Superman's secret identity, but dismisses it because he can't imagine anyone not wanting to be Superman all the time, which is a really good Lex Luthor character piece. I think it's better than The Secret Revealed, probably not as good as The Night Gwen Stacy Died. That still seems too high for me. But um, I don't know. Okay. Like, I, th- I think it's probably, I think that's probably, I mean, cause it's good. It's good. And it's like intense and it's actiony. It's good, but that seems too high. I would be fine putting it like in the two hundreds somewhere. Maybe I, but that's the thing is like, I'm looking down the list and I'm not seeing a lot of the stuff, like a lot of stuff that I like more than I like Berserk. I just don't know why that feels too high. Like it, it like it, it's better than, than Walt Simonson's Orion number five, right? It's better than Omega Men 2015. It's better than, it's better than the Lord Deathman story in Bat Manga. It's, it's yeah. better than Batman last night on earth. So like, I think it probably can stay where it is. It's just for some reason that seems too high. And I think it's because, like, I think a lot of it is because if I had stopped at the end of this and did not know how much it was going to pay off, maybe I would drop it lower. But I do know how much it's going to pay off. Yeah, I, 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 th- I think so much of its value comes in the context of what comes after. Mm-hmm. As a story on its own, like if you just read it, I could understand. Like I would not put it that high either. And I don't know. Part of part of my thought is always like how much people dismiss this arc. Again, mm-hmm. there are people who will just be like, skip the Black Swordsman, just start with the Golden Age. But I think having read the Black Swordsman adds so much to the experience of reading the Golden Age that. It's 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 got incredible utility and is a better story in hindsight because of the story that comes after. Yeah. So let's talk about the story that comes after. There's a lot of it. We probably won't go, go through all of it beat by beat. Um, we talked about a lot of what happens at the beginning, like the story of Guts's childhood. And after he kills Gambino, he has to go, he gets run off from the mercenary camp and has to go make his way on his own and um, becomes, you know, soldier for hire, kind of mercenary by himself. And he, he gets into this one battle where he kills uh, this huge fucking monster. <laughs> and that's when he meets uh, Griffith and mm-hmm. the the band of the Hawk, which is Griffith's group of mercenaries. That includes Kafka and many others. And he is initially hesitant to join the band of the Hawk, but Griffith says, hey, why don't we have a duel and if I win, you join up with us. You're mine. 
and Griffith beats him. Which is the first time we see Guts lose. Yeah. And, uh, and hey, and, uh, thinking, this sounds like it might be a little homoerotic. You're wrong. Buddy? Because <laughs> it's a lot homoerotic. <laughs> yes. The, the three lead characters of the Golden Age, Casca, Guts, and Griffith, there is a love triangle that goes in every direction between the three of them. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy, there sure is. And Griffith, who is drawn like very, like, uh, Bishonen, like, anime pretty boy, full kissable lips, beautiful long blonde hair, mm-hmm. like, delicate features, like, but also, but also, like, super good fighter. Like, Griffith is an interesting character. Griffith is really interesting. Well, like, even after he becomes Femto, even after he does all the horrible things he does, he's complicated. You see this dude, and he's a fucking demon who beats up the hero of the manga effortlessly. And, like, it is like, you are insignificant and we are gods. And, like, you, you, you don't think he's going to be... You don't think, I bet this guy has a reason for doing this. And he really does. Like, he really has a reason. He, like, yeah. Griffith arguably goes through it worse than anybody in this book. I would I don't even think arguably. Griffith goes through it worse than anybody in this book. And everybody goes through it. And everybody thing. goes through it, yeah. Everybody goes through it. Uh one phrase that Griffith uses in regard to guts is straight up your mind. Which is going to be very important about when it comes to their relationship. Yeah, I've also, I think a lot of heavy use of, I want you. Yes, yes. And so after Guts sort of, without really wanting to, joins the band of the Hawk, what comes after that is a lot of like battles in world politics that ultimately don't matter. But what does matter is... Guts and Griffith and the rest of the band get closer and closer. Casca throughout this is shown as the character who like will not take anyone's bullshit, which I really appreciate as like the lead character trait of Casca at this point. Yeah, no, Casca's great. Casca's great. Uh, she because she's the. She is the female commander uh, of the uh, of the band of the hawk, and this is a world where misogyny exists. Uh, but Kosk is great. Yeah, and like people and, continually remark on her being the the. Ooh, they, they've got a these mercenaries have a lady commander. Yeah, and. Her her main thing, like, she's not very trusting of Guts 
to start with. No, she's very like they have a very antagonistic relationship, and uh, Guts is himself like fairly misogynistic, but it's played as Guts being a dumbass. Yeah, which I do appreciate. And and over time, he will come to not have those dumbass thoughts anymore. <laughs> he will mature. Yeah, I, There's a lot of maturing thing of guts. I have mentioned before that like the uh, Throne of Glass, which is a, a trashy fantasy novel that I really like. Um, one of the reasons that I liked it so much was because it's the only like fantasy story that I've ever read to uh, mention menstruation. And uh-huh. that is no longer the case. Uh, because uh, it's in Berserk. Uh, it's in Berserk. And Guts is a real dick about it. <laughs> like, oh, your your lady problems are causing us trouble on the battlefield. Yeah, but that's, but it's like again, it is. It's hard to explain it without being like, without sounding like I'm excusing a flaw in the work. But it is played like Guts is a dumbass, uh, and, and Guts underestimates Tosca. Yeah, and and that ends up coming to fruition by virtue of the fact that Guts ends up respecting Casca a lot and the other way around, but they have to, yeah. they have to get there. Um, so there are these important moments where these characters grow to respect each other. Guts sort of has to give it up for, for Griffith from the start because Griffith does beat him. Like, yeah, like he's got a kind of like, bow to Griffith's superior ability from the get-go, but he doesn't actually really trust Griffith until they have their run-in um, with Nosferatu Zod in the castle. And that encounter is also important because, oh, so um, talk about homoerotic undertones. Um, a, a completely nude uh um Griffith and Guts have like a water fight next to a well at one point. Yeah, bud. And that's when Griffith shows Guts his behalet, which looks just like this weird little tchotchke, right? It looks just like a weird little thing on a necklace. But then when they fight uh Nisferatuzad in the castle and kind of earn his respect. Nosferatu Zod sees the behalet around Griffith's neck, and he's like, oh shit. What is that? I, he's got that? Oh man, you better watch out for him. And that's when yeah. Nosferatu Zod pieces out. It's the, it's the king's egg. Yes. I'm going make up King's Egg, man. And you know from that point that, one, this behalet is going to be a really, really important item. Like, a a bit of a uh, MacGuffin, if you will. And that Griffith's not all he seems to be. And then throughout the story, Griffith's ambition becomes more and more apparent. Yeah, and the lengths to which he's willing to go, but also to get back to... I I, want to get back to 
the sexual assault since we started talking about that. Okay. Because one of the things that we get in the Golden Age is we find out some different things. We get Casca's origin, which is that she was also very parallel to Guts. She was also sold by her family, but like sold to a nobleman who, you know, was ostensibly like, oh, she can come work as a maid in the castle. Uh, but they all know what's going to happen to this, you know, young, pretty young girl, ch- child, who is getting bought by a nobleman. But when he tries to assault her, very much like Guts, Griffith rescues her. Because Griffith is, like, you know, a few years older. And even, you know, as a young man, is leading this mercenary band. So the thing that happens to Guts, that teaches Guts that he can only rely on himself, and that he needs to have his sword with him, and that no one should be allowed to touch him, doesn't happen to Casca because of Griffith. So Casca right. learns that she need, she can rely on Griffith. Which is such an inch, like, it's such a good parallel. And it's so, again, it's so nuanced and thoughtful in a way that you wouldn't expect from the first thing that happens in this book being Guts fucking a demon. The, yes, the, the one thing you learn about Griffith as the story goes on, and the thing that is the thing that he is best at is inspiring loyalty. Yeah. He can make anyone he wants to make loyal to him, he can do. And that is because ultimately he's going to be asking them to do things that they would otherwise not do. But yeah. because Griffith's asking, they'll agree. Uh, so I, I just feel like that's the origin of Guts, not le- like, you know, what we see in the Black Swordsman arc where he's like, get the fuck away from me in every way to everyone is so mirrored in Casca being like, no, I will fucking die for Griffith. Like, yes, the thing that guts, they both learn what they can rely on. And that's like really fascinating. The thing is, we also get Griffith's origin story, which isn't even like really his origin. Cause it happens like his origin is that he's like, you know, growing up, poor and he decides i'm gonna be a fucking king and so he you know works at towards having his own kingdom right like that's pretty much it that's simple yeah but like the process of that involves him like trading himself basically like having sex with a nobleman and letting a like letting a nobleman by him in a way that again is parallel guts is sold by gambino casca is sold by her family griffith is sold by griffith and it's this really interesting parallel where griffith does this but then resents himself and the guy for it his whole thing is because like casca asks him like like why did you do that and he's like, it's the most efficient way. It's the most efficient way to get what I want. 
but he like clearly feels some kind of way about it because he goes out of his way to get revenge at that dude. And so Griffith makes this choice for himself, but hates that he had to make it, which is really interesting because he, you know, he doesn't blame himself ostensibly, although he kind of does, but like for him, it becomes this external thing. And then it also becomes this thing where he doesn't assault this princess, but he clearly romances her under like, uh, like makes her think that he's in love with her in order to get political power. Like he doesn't, I mean, what you, what you'll find out and what becomes clear about Griffith. Cause after the whole thing with Nosferatu Zod, the story then gets into this sort of like at court political intrigue thing. There's a big ceremony at a castle to celebrate the band of the Hawk for doing so much to help the country in its war. And they're celebrating Griffith in particular, but Griffith decides that this is his opportunity to do a big power grab. So he asks guts to assassinate a nobleman for him. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's that nobleman. It's the one he sold himself to. No, no, that's not, that's not the same guy. It's a different guy. Okay. Yeah. The nobleman that he sells himself to is the one that takes the, uh, impregnable fortress. That's right. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. Griffith lures him out. But yeah, like, right. but it's there's definitely like, there's a ruthlessness to Griffith that only Guts knows about. Yeah. So, sorry, I got that detail wrong, but the Guts is tasked with assassinating a nobleman, which he does. But in the process, he also assassinates that nobleman's daughter. Accidentally. Uh, son. Adonis. It's his son? Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, it, but it, but he kills a kid accidentally. And as that's happening, Griffith, yes, Griffith has found this princess who he's going to romance to try to, like, get in on the kingdom. Like, get into his position of power. Griffith's plan is to make himself, like, make the Band of the Hawk the best mercenary company, then use that to have them, like, elevate himself to being knighted and becoming a noble, even though he's a commoner, and then use that to romance the princess, and then use that to become king. Like, that's Griffith's plan. Which is, like... I kind of like, like I kind of love that that's his plan because like wow you're you're really going to do that and and he really does do that which is wild yes but it if it weren't for a few scant <laughs> problems yeah if it, it weren't for him reacting poorly to a breakup with his boyfriend <laughs> well so the big thing is as griffith is trying to romance this princess and he's telling her how he views the world. 
he doesn't know that Guts and Casca are at the bottom of the steps listening to everything he's saying. Yeah. And essentially, in this speech that he gives to the princess, to summarize it, he basically says, we're better. There, Some people's dreams matter. Yeah. And yours is one of them and mine is one of them. But other people d- d- are n- are nothing. They're just around to be used. They they their only purpose is ultimately to be born and then to simply live for no better reason. I can't abide such a lifestyle. And, yeah, and this this is also where Princess Charlotte uh, <laughs> uh, talks about like she says something about like guts and she's like, oh, what about your friends in the like mercenary company and he's like oh i don't really consider them my friends to be a friend you have to be my equal yeah and they're not and it's unclear whether he believes this or whether it's part of his seduction tactic but it doesn't matter but it doesn't matter because guts hears him and guts kind of uncharacteristically for the guts we see in the black swordsman arc but very characteristically in this guy who's betrayed by his father figure and is now looking for for approval and like searching for you know without even realizing it searching for a place where he belongs hears oh i'm not his equal and so he can never we can never be friends like he won't respect me because i'm not his equal i need to become his equal which yes. becomes guts's motivation it's his motivation for leaving the band of the Hawk because yeah. his, his, from that point on, he's like, okay, if I can go on my own and become, and become Griffith's equal, then I can come back and we can be equals and we can be friends. And yeah. we haven't talked a ton about like art and staging up to this point. It's all it's beautiful. Good. It's good. Um, it's really fucking good. But- but I think it's really important to talk about it in this scene where Griffith is saying, what I think a friend is, is one who is my equal. And he's like standing like with his fists clenched, looking out into the night. And then there's like an inset shot of Guts's face as he's hearing this. Literally above Guts. At yeah, the top of yeah. the staircase, literally above him, it's very, very good. There's, but, but there's a the, the next page is a splash where it's like it's all just you know it's like a play where Griffith is above guts at the top of the stairs and he's lit just him, and then guts is at the bottom of the stairs and he's lit just him. And what's between them is just black. Like black and some leaves kind of like flowing through the middle of the page to show like how much distance between them this speech is creating. Yeah. And Um, it's just like, holy shit. Like this is a guy talking and a guy listening to him. And (laughs) it is such riveting comics. Yeah. What's wild is that all the political intrigue stuff, which is interspersed with, like, wild violence, but, like, 
it is all done with the intensity of the fight scenes. It's not like you're getting through this stuff to get to the fight scenes, which is really interesting. But one of the things that I love about it is that Guts, without saying it, and without being a character who really seems like he has a lot of internality, clearly has so much genuine love for Griffith that develops over the course of the story. And Casca also has love for Griffith and they're very different kinds. And they're all based on those childhood traumas where like Casca, when she talks about Griffith, she's like, I want to be his sword, which is such a like interesting thing because it's like, yeah, he saved my life. My life belongs to him. I am his weapon. I am the thing he will use to achieve his dreams. I will do what he says. And Guts, who you know, loses the fight and, and is the object that belongs to Griffith, is like, I'm going to be his equal. I need, I need to build myself up. And it is this thing of like, this fascinating thing of Casca wanting to succeed and and earn Griffith through service, and Guts wanting to succeed and earn Griffith through bettering himself, because those are the things that they were taught to rely on. Yeah. That's the only thing they could count on. Casca can only count on Griffith. Guts can only count on himself. Until Guts and Casca get together... And they learn that they can count on each other, which right, is which, again a fucking incredible like turn in the plot. It's so good. Next, which is the next story? Yeah. So before we get to guts deciding to leave the band of the hawk, even though that idea has been implanted in his head now, we get a story where there's a huge battle, and Casca's leading the band of the hawk and really, really holding her own. Like we see how badass of a fighter Casca is at the start of this story. Like she fucks up the general of the opposing uh, force and everything. And, but she in the heat of battle gets knocked off the side of a cliff and guts tries to catch her, but goes like falling after her and they get stuck in a ravine and Casca's like knocked out. And so guts has to figure out what to do. And so he finds a cave and he and Casca like huddle in the cave for warmth um, overnight. And this is where menstruation comes up again. Cause guts has to take off her wet clothes and they have to like huddle together inside the cave. And he sees blood on her clothes and he's like blood where did this come from oh right and the actual line is must be hard being a woman yeah so like guts has finally learned to empathize with casca well guts (laughs) yeah um even though they continue to argue after this like and and casca is not exactly happy to have been saved by guts. Yeah. Which also is another reason why I think you need the Black Swordsman arc. Because yeah. if you just read this, you would be like laboring under the impression you would only see like, oh, Guts is a better fighter than Casca. Uh, and Griffith is a better fighter than Guts. So Casca's the worst of the fighters. You wouldn't see Guts is a fucking one-man army. <laughs> like yeah. 
you need to establish no this dude is like he can't read but he's but he is unbeatable in a fight like you need to establish that to like so that you in service to Casca's character as being like like in Dragon Ball like Krillin could beat any other human being's ass. Krillin is a human being who's so good at karate he can fucking fly. It's not his fault all his friends are super strong aliens. You yeah. need to establish that Casca is incredible, but Guts is just a weird freak of nature. So... It's while they're in the cave that we actually get Casca's whole backstory and the whole like Griffith saving her story. Uh-huh. And it, it it comes out that like Casca's whole deal at this point is like the band of the hawk is everything to me. It is my whole life. And you came in and changed Griffith. And now Griffith cares about you more than anything. And that that fucking ruined everything for me. Yeah. Cause he never said that shit to me. Yeah. And that's when they get attacked by the opposing force. Cause Griffith has noticed that they're missing and has sent like a search party after them, but the opposing, the enemy has found them first. And this is when, this is the first time Guts proves himself to be a one-man army. He lets Casca get away. Like Casca and he fight together for a little while, but then he's like, "Hey, Casca, get out of here! Like, go yeah. find Griffith." Casca's also like injured. Yeah, and that's when he single-handedly kills a hundred men. <laughs> yeah, he does fuck up a hundred dudes. It's r- so goddamn raw. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's fucking wild, dude. It goes on for a while, too. Like, I, do, I don't even want to just sit here and describe panels of him wrecking dudes. They're all so good. Yeah, man. He, he whoops some ass. It like just it is when I when I said that Berserk is just raw moment after raw moment loosely connected by plot, that was that's not an accurate view of Berserk, but it's not an inaccurate view of Berserk. Yeah. Would you like to see teeth just constantly flying into the air? Read this part of the Golden Age. <laughs> yeah. Um it, it is very much a, uh, if you like Game of Thrones, but you liked Game of Thrones when it was good, you should read Berserk. You dig it. Yeah. It's it's so raw. It's This shit, to me, is rawer than anything that happens in Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah, no. For sure. Because Game of Thrones could not show you in detail, like, dudes getting their heads cut in half. We don't have that technology. <laughs> Just like Satoshi Kojima, we don't have That's that right. technology. We don't have that technology. Um, so, <sighs> Guts kills 100 men, but he is still, like, 
human at this point, so he gets really fucked up in the process. Yeah. And so when he finally gets rescued, like, Casca finds the rescue party, they come back and they find him. They go back to the camp, and Guts, like, has to heal up. And this is where Guts and Casca have their, like, beautiful moment where they sit on a hill above the camp looking at the campfires and guts tells her what his dream is. So, so we like, we've heard about Griffith's dream, but now we're going to hear about guts's dream. And he wants to burn his, he wants his fire to burn as strongly as the blazing inferno named Griffith. Yeah. And he says, "My flame ain't here," and that's when he lets Casca know he's gonna he's gonna leave. Yeah, like as soon as the, as soon as we're done with this campaign, we're gonna leave. Even though like everything's going great for the band of the Hawk, like they are now, like I, I don't think they have all been like knighted at this point, but they they're like the king's go to guys. Yep. Like they're leading. Like they're they have replaced the uh, existing guardsmen. For the royal hunt at this point, I think. Uh, they're a big fucking deal. Uh, the next story is the Battle for Doldry, which is that impregnable fortress. And this is where Griffith gets his revenge on the guy he sold himself to. Yeah. I feel like it is so important for Berserk as a story that we have these three characters. And all of them not only have this like sexual assault backstory but that it's three variations on being sold. Like it's yes. three variations on it being a transaction and Griffith is the only one who had control over it, but he doesn't think he has control over it because it's in service to this higher ideal. So for him, even though he is the one responsible for selling himself, it is not like he sees it as unavoidable. That's so important. In the context of of Gambino and Guts and Casca's family and Casca, and then Griffith and Casca later, they they win this fight. Uh, Guts at one point is fighting a guy and breaks his sword, and then like a demon shows up and gives him a sword, and you're like, oh, is this going to be Guts's big sword? It's not. No, it's a it's different not. big sword that he gets for a minute because <laughs> Guts has a normal big sword at this point. He's got like right. a claymore. At this point, which is still pretty big. But it got all fucked up when he was fighting 100 dudes. <laughs> so then he gets his intermediary sword. Yeah. Yeah. He gets, he gets his, bigger. He gets his big Goron sword. Uh, before Boy, you ain't kidding. <laughs> um, so after that battle, there's another big celebration for the Band of the Hawk. But this one's like a fancy party where everybody has to dress up. And, like, Griffith gets, like, you know, even more honored at this event and everything. And it's after this that Guts tells Griffith, like, hey, I'm going to leave. And Griffith... This is where the the assassination attempt happens. Yes, yes. There is a big assassination attempt that happens at the... uh, Uh, This, I read, I fucking read this out loud to my tattoo artist while they were tattooing me. (laughs) <laughs> because uh short version the queen wants to stop griffith from his relationship with the princess so she gets together with a bunch of nobles they plot to assassinate him griffith 
tumbles to it, uh, fakes his assassination, uh, and then like blackmails the guy who I believe this guy becomes the count, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Just a similar looking dude with a little Charlie Brown head. I don't I don't I don't know that I ever put that together. He he does look similar, but I don't know if he's the count or not. Uh and Griffith winds up trapping them in a church and burning them alive. Every all of them. Like yeah. including the queen. And the queen uh says uh, a mere commoner like you is going to burn the, me, the Queen of Midland, to death. I won't allow it. I won't acknowledge it. And Griffith looks her in the eye and says, Those who die on the battlefield are not royalty, nobility, or commoners. They are the defeated who die. And then leaves, and she dies. Yeah. Griffith being like, yeah, it doesn't matter if you're a noble. You lost. That's hard as shit. Yeah. <laughs> so then, then that's when Guts is like, yeah, I got to go. Uh, I, he, he tells, uh, like, because two of the other guys try to stop him. They're like, hey, we're doing great. You're a captain of Hawks Raiders. You're a commander. We're famous now. Things are going swell. Don't leave. And Griffith's like, I cannot stand him looking down on me. I need yeah. to prove myself. And it's all this love for Griffith. Cause that like this Griffith being this character that like you meet him and you immediately fall in love with him, no matter who you are. But like, because of that, everything you do for him feels like your choice. Like he, like he rescues Casca from this creepy old man that's trying to assault her. And then she's like, can I come with you? And he says, that's your decision. And gives her a sword. And that's when she comes with him. It's, of course it's not her decision. Like, of course it's, it's, of course that's what she's going to do. Because of this love for Griffith. Anyway, it's like, it's good. It's good stuff. Guts says, I'm going to leave. And Griffith loses it at this. And is like, you're going to have to fight me for it. Yeah, and I, so, I told you I, I own you. You, uh, you, lo- you lost the fight. So, uh, And so it's, it's a recreation of their fight from years earlier, but this time Guts wins. And he just stops short of, you know... And, and Griffith's like, this battle's going to be the, to the death. But Guts beats him and doesn't kill him and leaves. And so Guts goes off on his own and meets the Skull Knight, the raddest, rawest fucking character. Yeah. I was about to say, yeah, then you turn the page and the fucking Skull Knight shows up. The thing that the Skull Knight calls Guts is the coolest nickname anyone's given anybody in anything. He's so fucking rad. Struggler. Yeah. Hey, you, Struggler. And it's just like, oh my god, this guy. Yeah, boy, the Skull Knight, who has who is a skeleton on a horse, and the horse is wearing like armor with like a like a succubus on it, and like the Skull Knight has a skull that is also a crown. Yeah, so the there are a lot of theories as to who the Skull Knight is. It has never been revealed who he actually is, and I hope it never is. 
Yeah, we get like a a fairy tale later on. That's like, oh yeah, like he he's like the first king who was cursed by the gods. Yeah, I mean but that's like you know we don't know that for sure. We know he speaks in devil font. He de- he speaks in apostle font. Yeah, but he's like he's like the supernatural force against the apostles. Yeah. But but what he shows up here to do is, hey, the eclipse is coming and you can't stop it. And you're gonna be a part of it, struggler. And you're gonna you gotta fight against it. And he even tells him, in the abyss of despair, only he who stands up with broken sword in hand, perhaps. And he does not finish that sentence. <laughs> He looks so cool and is so cool. I love the Skull Knight more than I could tell you. Yeah, the Skull Knight's rad. The Skull Knight fucking owns, actually. Um, but, like, that's when... Like, it's been so long since we've... Like, Nosferatu Zod is in this. But, like, it's been a minute. It's mostly been dudes. Then the fucking Skull Knight shows up, and you're like, alright. Yeah. That's when um, Griffith... It makes the worst decision he's ever made. And in the aftermath of Guts leaving, he goes directly to the princess's bedroom and seduces her and has sex with her, despite her definitely being like a teenager. And he is immediately arrested. Yeah. He is immediately found out. And also we get this like really good, like staging for like after they're finished and Griffith is just like sitting on her bed clawing at his own skin. Like when he uh, was uh, bathing in the river after he sold himself to the nobleman. And so it's this really, it's this thing of like, like this is kind of the absolute reveal that this is a transactional thing for Griffith and that it is not like that. This is all just, but they, like, he is contending with this, like this knowledge that he has done this to further his dream, and that he has once again sold himself. But then he is immediately discovered, and oh boy, uh, his arms and legs and tongue are all cut. His arms and legs are cut off, and his tongue is cut out. He, he, they're not cut off. the The king gives the torturer. He's like, hey. You got one year, do whatever you want as long as he doesn't die. Yeah. And he cuts his tongue out. He cuts all the tendons in his limbs so that he can't That's right. yeah. use them. He can't run. He can't hold anything. He, uh, in a very uh, Doctor Doom uh, style thing, like they, they do a man in the iron mask with him and his uh, Gatchaman helmet. And lock it, and so we never get to see what he looks like, but the torturer is like... And it looks like his Femto helmet. Yeah. Which is yeah. the helmet he wears in the battle. Uh, and like the torturer is like, oh yeah, I peeled all of his skin off to see his muscles below. And we see his body, but we never see his face, and his body is fucked. Yeah. Like, he is... It's and again, he is drawn with this ethereal beauty, like 
no, there's no other blondes in this book. And so Griffith's just having this like halo of white around his head uh, in, you know, the way that he's drawn. Like, we know that he was a beautiful, like, perfect specimen, right? And then he's like, when we see his body, he is fucked. It's, yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you really want to see his face, but you don't. And the fact that you don't see it in this book where Kentaro Mura draws the wildest and grossest shit without batting an eye is fucking bananas. There's also some stuff in here about, like, the king being attracted to the princess, too. And so she, like, kicks him in the, like, and he, like, acts on it. And so she kicks him in the face and his face gets all fucked up. But that stuff is not especially important or good. Yeah. Well, well, it's, it's this weird thing of, like, Griffith tells him, like, when he's, like, when the torture starts, like, he's whipping Griffith. And Griffith's like, oh, you just want her for yourself. And it's unclear as to if that's true or if Griffith plants this like weird idea in this guy's head that he's like, because again, this happens like right after his wife is burned to death by assassins. Yeah. So the King's also having a bad time, not to excuse it, but like the King's in a fucked up mental state. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and it's another way of showing how manipulative Griffith is, but I don't think it's necessary. Um, it, it's the, not. It's like this. It, it it's the it is it is. I would say one of the unnecessary sexual assaults in the book. But it also it's not there for Griffith. It's there for Charlotte, which I think does make a little bit of a difference because Charlotte becomes like you already sympathize with Charlotte, even though she's like, uh, you know, a a young naive princess. Like you sympathize with her. But, like, it really displays her resolve when she comes back. When yeah. when Guts comes back. I don't know. I, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's super good either. But I get why it's in there if you give it the benefit of the doubt. It's not gratuitous like other assaults and other things are. <laughs> yeah, I was telling uh, Aaron, my, my tattooist... Um, Aaron was like, oh yeah, I'm rereading Helsing. And I was like, yeah, I had to stop reading Helsing because even though it's about Dracula having guns, um, like there was just so much rape in it that I had to stop. And then I'm, I'm literally like reading this chapter of Berserk while I'm yeah. having that conversation. And I don't know. Yeah, it's... it's uh, the thing I've said before is you can have that in your story as long as it's good as Berserk. Yeah, like, that's the, like, that's, you know, somebody once, you know, grumpily asked me back in the, back in the old comic critic days, which I guess I'm still in right now as we record this. Like, somebody was like, okay, well, who's allowed to use rape in their comics? And I was like, well, nobody in superhero comics anymore. Because yeah. you've, lo- you've lost your, you've lost your, your privilege. The privilege. Yeah. But, like, if you're going to, you, if you're going to use any plot point, you have to make it mean something. And I think Mira actually does do that. It's not something that I would recommend to someone who was, like, just 
abjectly against having that in any media. But like, you know, again, I think it's better than it's used in Game of Thrones, for instance. And, and you know, to Miura's great credit, he has said explicitly, I, I wish I had not gone so far with it, with my use of it in those early stories. Yeah. Um, like looking back, he, like that was his big regret. And we'll get to where I think it is the most gratuitous, uh, in a bit. The part of the story that I would just cut out completely, which the, the anime does. Um, so while Griffith is being tortured for a year, Guts goes off and does a fighting tournament. And it's the most Dragon Ball this book ever is. It's I fucking loved it. Yeah. When when the because uh, there's one guy who's called like the Mayhem King or whatever, and then there's this other mysterious fighter, and and the Mayhem King gets beaten, and then Guts is like, I'll fucking fight him. And they're like, You're not even part of this tournament. And he's like, Yeah, I, I, I don't care. <laughs> Uh, the fighting tournament is cool, but it's also just like there to give Guts something to do while Griffith's being tortured. Yeah, Guts um, has been traveling the Earth, uh, getting better at fighting. Yeah, and it does introduce um, some characters that will come back later, like much later in the book. The fighting uh, tournament does, but it's it's Valencia, the King of Massacre, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but the big thing is. As the tournament is ending, or once the tournament is over, Casca comes and finds Guts and says, Hey, Griffith's been arrested. He's no good without you. You have to come back. This leads to the reconciliation between Casca and Guts, where they finally have sex with each other and like are able to let go of some of their trauma. And it is utterly gorgeous, Yeah, that part of the book. It's like such a catharsis in a book that has been nothing but angry, violent conflict up to this point, you know, like, I mean, not nothing, but, but like, this is the one moment in the book where like the characters get something, you know, (laughs) and it's so, such a like perfect release of tension. Um, yeah, and it, and again, it is like the first part of it where Guts like has this trauma flashback to when he was a kid and flips out and then stops and is like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. And Casca's like, hey, it's okay. And then we get Berserk's first consensual sex scene between two humans. Yes, and it is like very adult very explicit but also like presented in such a way as to be like here is a beautiful moment for two people who we know are not going to get very many of those yeah Um, also you were probably wondering if Gus had a big hog (laughs) (laughs) Um, and the answer is yes the super eyepatch wolf video about berserk focuses on that scene a lot and his take on it and description of it and interpretation of it, I think, is really, really good. So um, I would, re- would recommend going 
and watching that. Yeah, um, and, but it's not like. And the thing is, it's not just Guts and Casca have sex. Guts and Casca have sex. Guts has a traumatic flashback during the middle of it. Like, goes out of his mind, tries to strangle Casca, comes back to his senses, apologize, walks away, says that he's broken, reveals his whole childhood past to her, and is like, I'm horrible. I've killed so many people. Why am I guilty about this one guy I killed when I was a kid who was my dad? And, like, it's there's a lot going on. It's not just like sexy anime. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's a lot going on in this sex scene. Um after that, the rescue mission to go get Griffith out of his imprisonment starts. And we see Griffith in his cell after like post torture, where he's got the helmet on and his tendons have been cut and he has no tongue anymore. And he is spoken to by the God Hand. Like, all of it is starting now. Where, yeah, like, he's being recruited. He has lost the Behelit, too. Yeah. Um, um, so, so Princess Charlotte is actually, like, leading up the rescue mission. And uh, all of the, like... There's a long process. It's like a big heist thing to get Griffith out, but it does succeed. They they do get him out. And in the um, anime, this goes straight into the eclipse after the, the rescue of Griffith, more or less. I, I can see that. In the manga, we get a whole side story before the eclipse with um a it's the first big battle against an apostle this guy wild who um is also working for the like enemy country that midland is fighting against um oh no he works for midland that's i'm wrong he's he's the black dog knights are working for midland yeah um and <sighs> I don't think that part of the arc is necessary at all, and I think the character of Wild goes too far. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely, like, this is the one where it's like, like, we need to have this character do a sexual assault to show he's a bad guy. Yeah. And it's, and it's the, it's honestly, like, the weakest part of the book, uh... I think it's kind of like the weakest antagonist of the book. I can totally see cutting this guy out entirely, and no, you and you honestly lose nothing. Yeah, uh, the, the, the anime makes the right choice of cutting the wild part out of the story completely because yeah. it's not even like it's stuck in here between the rescue of Griffith and the eclipse, and it sort of like slows the story down, like it. It it sort of messes up the pacing a little bit. Well, part of it is to show that like they've brought back Griffith and everybody's like everybody in the Band of the Hawk is like, if we can get Griffith back, everything will be fine. Griffith will lead us. Like, he's our leader, he's the one thing uniting us. We need this guy uh back. But then when they get him back, he's fucking broken. You know? And yeah. like the rescue sequence is actually like really good. Like, um, 
when Guts sees it, like takes the helmet off and sees his face, he won't let anybody else come near him because he doesn't want anybody else to see what has become of him, which is like, like it's harrowing, honestly. Uh, but also one of my favorite things happens, uh, which I'll tell you what, we usually talk about this with uh, Usagi Ojimbo, where one of my favorite things in that book is when someone is the wrongest person alive. <laughs> uh, when they're like, get that mangy Ronin, he can't take all of us. Like, of course he can. Uh, and in this one, they get into Griffith's cell, and then the torturer uh, shuts the door behind him, locks him in, and says, no use getting mad, this door is four times normal thickness, even if you hit it with a hammer, it don't budge. Uh, and then he talks about all the stuff he did to Griffith, and then literally the net like you turn the page and it's guts busting through the door and stabbing that guy through the chest (laughs) yeah it's fucking rad it's like yeah no one can break this door down uh and then he like runs up a hundred flights of stairs and the guys above the stairs are like he's got to be tired and then he just fucks those dudes up he guts he goes berserk matt he does he does and then there's like he Fights a bunch of weirdos. Yeah, it's it's a whole thing. I mean, the The other purpose of Wild, I think, is to show that the world is already changing. Yeah, shit is fucked. Shit is fucked. Like apostles and demons are showing up already. Like the 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 barrier between the regular world and the supernatural is already starting to break, and so. That's why Wild is around. And it's also why we get scenes like the fucking awesome scene where Rickert, who is a member of the Band of the Hawk, is at this camp with other members. Rickert gets spared in this camp, um, but all the other Band of the Hawk members there get killed. Because the Band of the Hawk has also gotten a lot bigger. So all of these other members of the Band of the Hawk are killed. And he just... There's this scene where... He is approached by uh it definitely it looks like the count with like half a body in his mouth, like in full demon form, and it just like emerges out of the darkness, and it's one of the best horror moments I've ever seen in a fucking comic book, yeah, it's so rad, and he's only saved when the skull knight shows up, and he's like, "Get the fuck out of here, <laughs> yeah." And he tells the he tells the count, "You shouldn't have time to amuse yourself with slaughter in a place like this. Haste is needed, is it not?" And he just like sticks his sword in the count's face, and it rules. And the skull knight rules. Um. Anyway, I would skip a, a lot of the wild story. I I don't think it needs to be there, um, really at all. Um. But then the eclipse happens. While they're camped out, uh, and and Griffith is still being like spoon fed and taken care of by Casca, he manages to like move enough to get a wagon and take it to this like shallow lake, and there's just the incredible like. When did he he got the when did he get the Behalet back? He gets it back here. 
Because like it goes down a drain, and then when he crashes the wagon right. and flies out of oh, it, oh, it's it's in the lake. Yeah, it's in the lake because it's, it's like it's in the lake. It comes back to him. Yeah, it's yeah. That's why he goes to the lake because the behalet is there, and so he picks up the behalet and holds it up to the moon, and then it's like like the biggest fucking ramp up in intensity of a story. Yeah, boy. <laughs> you've ever seen. Yeah. All of a sudden they're in fucking murder world and everything's made of dead bodies. Made and of there's like faces. Yeah. Faces, including like a big face that's made of little faces. Yes. She and is what this, fucked. Yeah. And what this is, is the ceremony to make Griffith into a member of the God Hand, to make him into Femto. Yeah, you know, it's the uh, Invocation of Doom. Yes, the Invocation of Doom, during the Eclipse. What happens here is the whole band of the Hawk that's still alive is here, and they are... Except Rickard. Like, right, Rickard's not here, because he wasn't with the rest of the band when he saw the count that one time. Um, but they are all like they're, they're toyed with for a while, but then they are just all brutally killed by all the apostles who have gathered for the eclipse. It's fucking bad. It's, it's as rough as shit gets in anything. It's like, cause you've spent again, you've spent a long ass time with these characters. This is uh like into Berserk volume 13. Yeah. And the Golden Age arc starts in like Berserk volume 3. So you've spent so much time with these characters and they get fucking just they get got by these horrific looking demons. Kentaro Mira Good at designing demons. Very good, yeah. So, they all get killed, and Casca and, like, Guts is trying to reach Griffith. So, there's an actual, literal giant hand that the god hand is resting on, and they have Griffith inside of, essentially, an egg to rebirth him as uh, Femto, as the newest member of the god hand. And while... Griffith is being reborn. He has this flashback to, to him being a child and he's asked by, um, I think it was like the woman who raised him, like the woman who took care of him. Um, look at all these corpses. These are all the corpses you made on your way here. Like, why couldn't you have just been satisfied just gazing at the castle from back alleys? Why couldn't you just look Instead of being there. And Griffith ends up having to be like, I can't apologize for what I've done. This is the path I have traveled. If I apologize, this all ends, and I'll never get to the place where I've been trying to go. And it was for nothing. Yeah. Like, all of these people are dead to bring me to this moment. If I... If I like, was it all for nothing, or was it at least for something? 
And this is what I mean when I say that, like, Griffith Griffith is more complex than he initially seems. Because he has reasons. And he also was horribly, violently tortured for a year immediately before this. Like, he, like, he has lost everything. And it's like, it, he go he goes through it worse than anybody. But he doesn't do the right thing. He does the thing that is good for him. He does and, the thing that means he he wins. And the way he reacts, so Guts actually like gets to him for a minute. And the way he regards Guts is, again, so complex. Because he kind of blames Guts for it, for everything that's happened. But he also, like, gives Guts what he's been wanting to a degree, which is to be considered an equal, because he tells Guts, you're the only one out of all the comrades I've ever had, out of everyone I've ever fought alongside, you're the only one who ever made me forget my dream. Yeah. And, like... <laughs> and Guts kind of doesn't know how to react to that, because how would you? Like, what do you do with that? You know? Yeah. And there's this idea that, like, because you know, it's because Guts left that Griffith, you know, went and fucked the princess and tried made to all, carry on his plan. Made all these bad decisions. Made yeah. all these bad decisions. And then was, like, you know, tortured horrifically like you know there's scenes where we see like where the skin has been peeled off his body it's like it's wild and the reason that I'm so surprised that the stuff about Griffith using transactional sex to get what he wants is because that's what we have in in the kind of most horrific sexual assault scene yeah, so there's a while Griffith is being transformed, there's a um unused chapter, like it was originally published, but then it has never been reprinted, where Griffith talks to God. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um but God is also called the idea of evil. Interesting. Yeah. Um, interesting where Griffith says, what do you want from me? And God slash the idea of evil tells him you will do as the chosen one. And, uh, it, that, that ultimately makes him into Femto. Meanwhile, um, guts is just like killing demon after demon after demon. Like guts is fucking up demons. Like he breaks his sword. So he just like rips a horn off a demon and starts using that. That's just wild. Um, and he gets like, once again, he goes utterly berserk. Um, and he watches everyone die. He sees uh, the other members of the uh, band of the hawk, like in their various forms, having been killed. And he just absolutely like loses his shit. And there's this one like full page where. He's just saying, bastards! And, like, 
there's like all these like speed line movement lines all around his face. It's just a full page of his face. Yeah. As he's losing it. And there's this moment where you're like, where the book does fool you, even though you know what's like, you know what's happening. You know what has to happen. He's still got two arms and two eyes at this point. Yeah. And there's this moment where you're like, maybe he can win. Maybe he can beat all these H.R. Giger dick creatures. And, uh, nope, he can't. Uh, Because right then, yeah, right then, Casca, who is nude, as Guts is, (laughs) um, is, like, held up by a bunch of demons, and Femto, in his full form, emerges, having been born, reborn, and he like Casca is presented to him and he just, you know, starts brutally assaulting, raping Casca in front of guts. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's a hard read. It's like, I like, it's, it goes on for so long too. It's like an entire chapter. Yeah, and I hesitate to defend that, but the staging of it, where guts is held back like a demon's got his arm in his mouth, and so he's positioned like he is in all the flashbacks where he's a kid and it's happening to him, and like there's a, a panel of like demon claws like holding his eye open like making him watch it's it is effective in what it is trying to do regardless of the content well i i think it is made clear by the lines that slan who is one of the member other members of the god hand says as it's happening um, she says, such beauty, it touches me. Love, hatred, pl- pain, pleasure, life, death, all are there. This is to be human. This is to be evil. And so, is it kind of proving that a bad guy is bad? Yeah. But yeah. more than that, it's proving that Griffith is ruined. Yeah. The, and it's and it's the third instance of Griffith using sex as a transaction. Because yeah. this is what he has to do to truly become Femto. And so, like, it's the the god hand telling Griffith, hey, this is what, you know, you know you need to do this. You've done it before. Like, the, this is just the next, you know, you've done this exact thing before. This is what you need to do for power. And yeah. it being Casca, who wanted to be the thing Griffith used to achieve his dream, and Guts, being helpless, his sword is broken, and he uses the broken sword to cut off his own arm to try and save Casca. Right, because his arm is in the mouth of a demon creature. And then the you know, he he can't make it, and the demon holds him down, holds one of his eyes open, and gouges the other one out. Yeah. It's like I I hesitate. To it, on the one hand, it is a lengthy, like 20 page sexual assault scene. On the other hand, it is the culmination 
of everything that has happened in this book so far with these three characters, it makes sense. It's gratuitous, but it's also... This couldn't have happened any other way based on what was set up. And I don't, like... And it's not set up poorly. It's not crafted poorly. And it is, like... It, like this is definitely something that happens to guts, but it's also something that happens to Casca, and it's not played as something. Casca is not played as an object here. Casca is played as someone who Casca is played as a person. I guess is the best way to say it. Like yeah, the fact that she wanted so desperately to be the thing that Griffith used for power, and this is how it happens is so like it's good it's good I, I it's a hard read and I do not blame anyone for just not wanting to read it but I it is good storytelling I am afraid and I think more than anything else and even the stories that follow do this as well it doesn't just say, oh, this trauma happened, the bad guy is bad, so we have to beat the bad guy. It wrangles with, wrestles with, and examines the further trauma that this creates. Yeah. And I think that's the difference maker. Yeah. I think the worst thing about it is that I don't know what happens with Casca in the future, like after we get past this, but she is rendered like nonverbal and yeah. like has, you know, doesn't have memory. Like she is kind of no longer a character. Like she doesn't speak. She doesn't, you know, she, she her mind is broken from uh, all of the, the horrific experience, which, you know, legit. But also, like, I don't know if she ever becomes a character again. And that's um, the worst thing about it. She does. Does she? Okay. Yes. She does. Because so, what happens then is uh, fucking Skull Knight shows up, having fought Nosferatu Zod and some shit we didn't see, and drags uh, Griffith, or uh, drags um, uh, Guts and Casca out of the fucking hellscape nightmare world okay i this is very important he doesn't just show up he breaks through the fucking eclipse yeah he uh he shatters the eclipse there's a panel it's it's rendered so amazingly there's a panel of the god hand sitting on the fingers of the hand and above them is the the moon or the sun in eclipse and you, there, it's just shattering and the fx are just like Whoosh. and then like fucking stone cold breaking the glass skull knight there's a full page splash of skull knight bursting through that eclipse and it's the rawest fucking shit it it's so so good yeah it fucking owns saying it's like stone cold breaking the glass. Cause it is staged. Like the eclipse is a 
panel of black glass that has been put over the sun. Yeah. So he's fucking backlit by the sun and the glass shatters. And then he comes in on his beer truck. Yeah. Uh, and he, he he goes straight for ostensibly the leader of the God Hand Void. Yeah. Mars Attacks. The dude with the exposed brain. Yeah. And tries to just like chop his head in two. And Void creates some kind of portal. He's got he's got the spots powers. Yeah. He creates some kind of portal for his sword to go through so it doesn't kill him. But it is man, it's good. Yeah. Man, it's good. It's fucking tight. Uh, and the Skull Knight is not a character in the anime. So the anime just ends with the creation of Femto. It is an incredibly huge bummer. Yeah, I fucking bet. Jesus. Uh, so, by the reading way, the Knight has this badass sword. That like his symbol is like a rose and thorns, and so he's got this sword where the guard is all like this vine of thorns around it. It's fucking dope. Uh, but so you can imagine having I having had seen having seen the anime, but not having read the manga. When I read the manga, seeing Skull Knight show up and fucking save them, I was hooting. I was hooting and hollering. I bet you were. I bet you were going. Oh hell yeah. Uh, yeah, so he gets, uh, Guts and Casca out, and, uh, one of the things we didn't mention was, like, in that year, when Guts is going around, like, entering fighting tournaments and shit, he's also living in the mountains with a blacksmith and meditating under a waterfall like you do, learning how to get better at swinging this giant sword. Uh, and so that's where the Skull Knight takes him, because that mountain was once inhabited by elves, and so the remnants of their magic keep the demons from seeing them because now guts and Casca have both been branded as sacrifices. And so demons are going to seek them out demons and spirits of the dead. Yeah. And, and so bit where, uh, guts like flips out, runs away. We see him like remembering all the people who have died. He's got one arm. He's bleeding from his, his eye that's been gouged out. And the skull knight shows up and, uh, again, I read I read this out loud to uh, to Aaron while they were doing my tattoo. Uh, but guts is surrounded by fucking ghosts who want to like eat his organs, and the Skull Knight just shows up and goes, "From now on, this is your world." And then he tells him that you know the dead spirits uh, are drawn to you because you have the brand. And you've got to, you know, you've got to deal with them. You are a torch tossed in the darkness. Uh, you stand in the interval between two worlds, and that is your destiny. Your body and every last drop of blood in it has been given as an offering to those of the darkness. And Guts, his response to this, says, shut the hell up. How about you save your high and mighty bullshit for after I've been hunted to death, skull face? Sacrifice, offering, destiny, quiz found a bunch of cryptic explanations. The point is, this is war. It ain't different from any other war. Last one standing wins. And that's dope. Yeah. He says, tell him leaving me half-eaten is going to be the end of you. The, the main thing for you is I'm breathing. Don't take one arm. Don't take one eye. 
Sorry, that was actually Dusty Rhodes that said that shit. <laughs> but I mean, that is that is the that's uh, what he says. Yeah, the gist. Yeah, the and we're we're not fully to Black Swordsman guts just yet because he doesn't have the Dragon Slayer yet. That that's in the next chapter. But we're basically to back around to Black Swordsman. Well. Casca has this awful demon baby that we've seen before and didn't know what it was. Yeah. And it's... Is it Guts and Casca's baby that has been... No, it's it's Griffith no. and Casca's baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, there's a demon baby and Guts tries to kill it, but he can't. And so then it vanishes and now it's just out in the world. Uh and then we find out about the Dragon Slayer, uh, which is this blacksmith uh, that's like, oh yeah, that's that useless thing that I want to build because the king said he wanted a sword that could kill a dragon. And a sword is just a big butcher knife, so I built him a butcher knife big enough to kill a dragon. Yeah. It's useless. I hate it. Uh, but, you know, I keep it there as a reminder that I should uh, actually try to work on things and not just build this uh, this big dumb thing. And after that, um, starts the conviction arc, which the first chapter of the conviction arc is called the black swordsman once more. Yeah. Um, so that is full circle. Um, the golden age, man. Okay, Matt, do you want to make a guess at the panel? I, I had a, an idea. I had a thought as to what it is. I don't remember what I guessed. Um, but it was wrong, so I think you just you just tell me what the panel is. Well, here at the end, the blacksmith is like, "Oh, I'll give you my finest sword," and he gives guts this sword, and he's like, "This is the, this is the the sword. It's the it maybe not the best one I've ever made, but it's close. And as long as you uh, take care of it, it'll cut through anything." And then a demon shows up and Guts start fight, starts fighting it, and the blacksmith's like, fuck, I meant it would cut through, like, people. That's a demon. Like, th- that is not what I made that sword for. And that sword breaks, this, you know, very elegant, pretty, cool-looking sword. And then this demon throws Guts into the room where the guy keeps all the swords that he's made. And Guts turns around, and there is a panel where... Guts turns, and it is a silent panel of Guts seeing the Dragon Slayer for the first time. And it is just this small little panel. It is just this... But, like, the way it is drawn, the line work turns so delicate, and you just see Guts's eye, and then the next thing that happens is Guts goes, Hey! And then cuts that dude in half! <laughs> <laughs> and that panel where he first sees the dragon slayer is mwah, it is beautiful it is so delicious but yeah that that little like crash zoom on when you already know it's there but you don't see it until it is in guts's hands right and like that panel of him being like oh that's it that's the sword yeah. Man. But but that's when you like we talk about raw moments 
and how the rawest thing is somebody being about to kick some ass. Good seeing <laughs> that sword is fucking raw. <laughs> All right. We got to rank the Golden Age. It's fucking good, dude. I don't like the a, a thing that I texted you is I found it so fascinating that this is a book where the the it is a a book that uses sexual assault for three main characters two of whom are men but it's like plot relevant and character relevant in a way that I don't know if I've ever seen sexual assault played as relevant in a comic before I think bad faith actors would see a high ranking of this book and say, this comic does everything you've criticized about other comics. It does some of the same things as Identity Crisis. And you put Identity Crisis... And you put Identity Crisis at the bottom of the list, and you put this really high. And the only thing I can say to you as a bad faith actor, like it's instead of just explaining the story as we have done for the last two hours is this is the exception to every rule. There are very few things that if they happen in a comic, it's automatically bad, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Batman shitting his pants. If that happens in a comic, it's automatically bad. I'm sorry, there's nothing you can come back from for that. I I think there's a sexual assault in Watchmen, you know? And that's why it's an identity crisis. It's not there to it's not there to reveal anything about Sue Dibney's character. You know? It's not. It doesn't complicate Sue Dibney's character. It doesn't add anything to Sue Dibney's character. It's just there. It's 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 not there as a character piece. This adds to Guts, Casca and character and uh, Guts, Casca and Griffith's character. Like it is set up, it is paid off. The fact that it happens and there are character consequences and that it is dealt with as trauma and I like I don't it is shocking to me that someone who started this comic when they were 23 years old can do a comic about about trauma in this way in that it's not even just about like it's about what violence does and about the violence of all kinds violence of all kinds yeah yeah like guts trying to have sex with this woman that he's in love with and then having a breakdown because he has a traumatic flashback and then and then like Openly weeping, talking about, like, why does it matter that I killed Gambino when I've killed so many people? Why is that the one that sticks with me? Like, all of the interplaying 
interdependent traumas. I, I am 40 years old and I've been in therapy since I was fucking 32 and I couldn't, I could not do this story. You know, I don't yeah. have the, the vocabulary. I don't have the awareness to do this story and present this trauma in a way that makes as much sense as Kentaro Mira presents it. Cause again, it is the tragedy of, of it's the tragedy of all of them getting what they wanted in this horrible monkey's paw fucked up way. Yeah, for sure. You're right. Cause, cause they do, they all get what they want. Griffith gets power. Casca gets to help Griffith realize his power. And Guts gets to be seen as Griffith's equal. Yeah. And but it happens the worst way. The worst way. Yeah. And yeah. again, the fact that it's also, I can't say it enough, the fact that it's not exclusively a thing that happens to a woman. Yeah. Like, and that and, doesn't necessarily make it better, but it's the fact that it is three parallel stories and three, you can read it and see the connection of how this is, you know, Gambino sold guts. Casca's family sold Casca. Griffith sold Griffith. And they all did it for different reasons. Casca's family did it because Casca was just another mouth to feed. There's like, it's not excused, but there is a, a, like, you do what you have to do to survive, right? They couldn't say no to the noble. She was just another mouth to feed. That's, you know, they did it to survive. Gambino did it out of pettiness and vengeance and wanting to hurt guts. And Griffith did it for power to get something for himself. And that, that's so much more complicated than Dr. Light did it because he's evil. You know? It's yeah. so much more complicated than that. And it's so much more nuanced. And all that we ever ask anyone to do is fucking think about it. Yeah. Th- this, is, this is what I mean when I say you can put this stuff in your story as long as you do it as well as Berserk. Because the thing Berserk does... And the thing Mura does throughout this story is fucking put in the work. He puts in the work to justify almost everything that happens. Yeah. I cannot I cannot explain or give the benefit of the doubt to Wild as a character. But everything else, he puts in the work to make it justified and have value and have an emotional reason for for happening in the story and that's all we ask for that's all we ever want is is stories that are are crafted if you're gonna use it you you have to be this good and again i would not blame anybody it's probably the first thing i would say about berserk if anybody sure. asked me, hey, should I read Berserk? I'd be like, there's a lot of sexual assault in it. Yeah. Like, there's also a lot of, like, dudes getting their heads cut in half, but we live in a society where that's, like, weirdly normalized. Uh, 
and owns, actually. So, but that is, like, probably the first thing I would say is that if you don't want that, don't read it, and I get it. However, if you are okay with that being an element, it is good. Actually. It's about as good as fucking comics get, man. (laughs) Yeah, it's really good. The level, again, the level of complexity and the level of nuance, the level of nuance that that is treated with, but also the level of nuance that violence is treated with. Yeah. For a comic that is ostensibly, like I said, just dudes getting hacked up, loosely connected. Like, it's certainly more than that. But, like, it's a lot of dudes just getting cut the fuck up. But that violence wears. And there is a cost to that violence. And there's even, like, without being, like, violence is pointless. Uh, There's this thing about, like, yeah, this war's been going on for a hundred years. And as soon as this war's over, there's going to be something else. It's not presented as like the the kind of like war and violence that guts fights in again very important that he's a mercenary that he doesn't fight for he fights for money uh like the band of the hawk fights for money and they know as well as anyone else that like yeah after this one we'll do the next one and it's never going to end like it's a book about violence, and it's not like a meditation on violence, because it is a fucking action story. And you want the unrealistic violence. You want Guts to fuck up Griffith. Like, you get it. <laughs> you want him to shove his fucking cannon in his mouth. But also the fact that, like, Griffith does the worst thing that you could do. And you're cut. You're you're not like yeah, that's good. But you are like that dude's been through a lot. It's I don't know, man. Yeah, it's it's good. It's good. And also, it's not Griffith's actions aren't justified, but they're you can see how he logicked his way into them. Yeah, and yeah. you can see that like again, he is the. We don't see Griffith getting tortured for a year, and that's such an easy thing to gloss over, to be like, oh yeah, he was tortured for a year. I mean, that happens in Yakuza. Uh, fucking uh, Majima is is tortured for a year, and that's how he loses his eye in Yakuza. And you don't see it, and you're like, oh, okay, I get it. We see Griffith. That's the only thing about the story with Wild that I think is is like worth keeping, is how much you get to see Griffith at his lowest point where he can't move and he can't speak and he can't do anything for himself and how everybody thought it was going to be okay when they got him back. But this version of Griffith that they got back is not what they thought because he has been so horrifically like traumatized. Chris, here's the question. Does Berserk the Golden Age go into the top ten? It's pretty fucking good, dude. It's pretty fucking good. It's got its flaws, but it's pretty fucking good. 
the top ten is pretty is pretty unassailable. Yeah, I mean, but all ten of those stories, except for maybe number one, are flawed in some way. Zero as flaws well. in, in number one. Yeah, is the the Golden Age arc better than the entirety of Gotham Central? Because that's what it would be if it was if it was the new number ten. If it was in the top ten, that's what it would be. If 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 I'm if I'm ranking it by myself, yeah. I mean, I, I I don't think I can argue it. Is the thing. I also think it's extremely good. Like Gotham Central is pretty goddamn good. Yeah. That would also put it above Thor into the Valley of Death, which I am shocked is not in the top ten. <laughs> well, I, it used to be. I think it got knocked out of yeah, the top yeah. ten. It, it was. Yeah. I think that was at one point like number four. Yeah. Uh, is it better than the last days of Superman? I'm looking at the issue over on my shelf right now. One of the only back issues I own. The last days of Superman. Superman number one fifty six. I think it is. The only thing I was about to say, like the only thing holding Last Days of Superman back is that, like, it's a hoax. Yeah, but like, also, you don't want Superman to die. Like, that's the point. To be continued. You know. Never the end. Never the end. We love that shit. If it's better than The Last Days of Superman, is it better than All-Star Superman? I think it maybe goes between All-Star Superman and The Last Days of Superman. I think it might be better than The Great Outdoor Fight. But I don't know for sure. Because if it's better than, like, once it's in the top ten, it's it's tough to stop. Here's, here's, my, here's my thing about The Great Outdoor Fight. I think... The Golden Age is ultimately better as a story, but I would read The Great Outdoor Fight in a heartbeat, and I would have to work myself up to read The Golden Age again. Mm, that's a good point. That's a good Cause point. Because it is, reading The Golden Age is putting yourself through an emotional ringer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, then let's put it at the new number nine. At the new number nine goes Berserk, The Golden Age. And, you know, maybe we'll do later story arcs in Berserk. Uh, It never gets better than that, though. I'm going to say that straight up. Yeah. There are good stories after, but it never gets better than that. Um, Here's what I will say about... uh, Also, it's beautiful, by the way. Kintarmir is a hell of an artist. Uh, like the the one thing in Berserk that does get better and better and better as it goes is the art. Like the art in the later chapters of Berserk, it is almost unreal. <laughs> How good it is! Yeah, he's real good at drawing comic books. Is Kintaro Mira? 
Yeah, man. It it's fucking wild. It's Berserk Volumes three to thirteen, by the way. Yeah, that's so much comics. That's so much comics. Do you know when it uh when it finished the the Golden Age arc? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I think um, I know it started around ninety one. Cause, cause, the Black Swordsman arc started in nine in eighty nine. Um, I think it went from like ninety one to ninety seven or so. That seems right. About right. Wild. Yeah. So it. it it's a lot of comics. It's it's many years worth of comics. Um and goddamn. Goddamn. All right, that's it. That's that's it for this supersized discussion of Berserk the Golden Age. Um if you would like to suggest something for us to catch up on here on Comics Catch Up, you can email us at warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. You can also Hit us up on Tumblr, warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. We're on Twitter at warrocketpod. And we have a Discord that you can join. Just ask us to uh, be invited to the Discord, and we will get you an invitation, as long as you're nice. If you want to support these comics catch-up episodes, as well as all the other stuff we do here at Clytus Media, you can... Uh, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Ajax and kick in as little as $1 per month to make sure that we do this show uh, every single month, that we do the weekly sh- War Rocket Ajax show, uh, every story ever, uh, snack situation and movie fighters, all of that stuff is made possible uh, by your support on Patreon. If you want to find me and my stuff, I'm at mattdwilson.net. It's where you can find links to everything. Chris, where can people find you? Uh, everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website, and it has links to everything that I do. See you in August, everybody, with another Comics Catch-Up. I think I, we promised to I do... I don't know, a- this is like triple-sized. Yeah, it really is. Um, we did promise to do a Jack Kirby comic in August, uh, so I guess we'll do that Uh but we'll eventually get back to uh, to fate, the man called fate. Till next time, everybody. Until next time. Good catching up. <laughs> <laughs>